Coming up on this episode of Rediscovered. nothing under your bed and I want you to just go to sleep okay there was a monster there are no monsters if you say there's no monster then switch rooms with me boo your lucky night. Imagine a world solely of kids. No teachers, no rules, no homework, no parents. Come on now! I'm a monster, and what do monsters do? Good question. Come on, scare the hell out of her. It's our duty. Come on, stop it! We almost had him. He was becoming one of us. Wait, Eric's gone. Have you seen him? Do you know where he went? I know where Eric is, but I'm not leaving until I have him. If we're not up before the sun clears the horizon, we turn into monsters. Are you still in? I'm in. Keep an eye out for monsters! Let's blow him away, Brian! No way out! I want my brother! I amaze me. Exactly. Take a walk on the wild side. Welcome to Rediscovered, a podcast dedicated to reviewing TV, movies, and animation from the 80s that we haven't seen since its initial run, or missed us altogether. And now your hosts, Jason and Wyatt. Welcome back to the Rediscover the 80s podcast and another episode of Rediscovered, where we review obscure and overlooked TV shows, movies, and cartoons some of which we have not seen since its initial release. Others, they'll miss us all together. I'm one of your hosts, Jason. With me is my longtime friend and co-host. It is Wyatt. How are you, sir? Good. How are you? Doing great. Uh, anxious to get another movie review under our belt. And uh, this one we actually talked about, I guess, at RetroCon this year, right? This is where we came up with the idea. It is. Uh if you've been any type of follower, especially on this series or um, venture called Rediscovered, we typically don't announce what we're going to be talking about because we try to find out if it's even available to watch. So for you, the viewer and listener, it's a real surprise of what we're going to be talking about. For us, it's almost equally a surprise because we have to make sure we can actually find it. (laughs) Right. So this is fun. And like, Jason said, you know, some of these we've kind of remember, uh, we might faintly think about, or it's missed us all together. And that's where I fall in for this movie called uh-huh. Little Monsters. How about you, Jason? Yeah, we were actually in line at RetroCon, and, and the plan was to get this recorded and submitted and uh, ready to go released for Halloween. And obviously we're a little late on that, but uh, not necessarily a Halloween movie, but uh yeah, we were talking in line, and that, that's what kind of spawned the idea. I had remember seeing this a long, long time ago and thought it would be fun to uh, to be our second movie review in the series. And, uh, yeah, it, that, that's my memory. I watched it early on. It wasn't in the theater. I would say it was probably a rental in the early 90s, probably right around 1990, right after it came out to video. 
because I remember uh, it being in my first house, my childhood home, and I moved out of there, I think right around 90 or 91, and associating this movie with something maybe being under my bed. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I think about my childhood bedroom kind of when I've watched that, and that's what kind of stuck out in uh, my mind. But let's go through a, a few of the stats here as we are talking about Little Monsters. It was released August 25th, 1989. Starring Fred Savage and Howie Mandel. It was uh, rated PG for adult situations and language and a little bit of violence. And the tagline for it were, some friends can be real monsters and some monsters can be real friends. It had a, well, and I was doing some research. It doesn't, uh, a lot of the box office sites have uh, not available for what the budget was. Wiki has it as $7 million. So I don't know where that information kind of came from, but the worldwide total for this movie was only about 800,000. Ouch. And only shown in about 179 theaters upon its release. And we'll get into a little bit of the kind of what happened with the release and everything, but the rating on this really isn't, too great. Uh, IMDb, you get 6.1 out of 10 on average, and the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is 62%. So, still in that uh, above, you know, in the majority, but just by a little bit. So, yeah, that was uh, a little surprising to me that it didn't have a, a wide release because I remember, I, I, I don't know if it was just maybe being in the video store that I was excited about it or, or hearing about it seemed to have a little bit of hype, but like I said, I didn't see it in the theater and I guess it missed you altogether. Like you said, had you heard about it at all or, or maybe scrolled past and seen it or over the years, maybe seen it in a DVD bin over the years. Yes. I've seen it and I completely do have no idea what this thing is about. Never heard of it kind of started associating it with the 80s but i just kind of glossed through because i don't mm-hmm. don't recall it so uh, i guess it's one of those where it's not a fan favorite so why bother okay. that was my probably probably my my thought process if i've seen it in the five dollar bin mm-hmm. yeah it's definitely more of a cult status or i don't know Definitely in the obscure category because it's it's not one that a lot of people go back to year after year for a you know a holiday viewing or or whatever. It's just one of those that oh hey it popped up on Amazon this time and <laughs> right. yeah let's revisit it. So let's go into a little bit of the development in the crew behind the picture uh, if you want to take that Wyatt. It was directed by Richard Allen Greenberg, his only film. Directed one episode of Tales from the Crypt, mainly known for the title Design and Special Effects. He was nominated for an Oscar for his visual effects work in Predator, but he later died in 2018. It was written by Terry Rosio and Ted Elliott. Their first project for the writing team went on to write for Aladdin, the Shrek franchise, Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, and kind of a slew of others, which is fascinating to, to to learn he was still working and writing for king kong versus godzilla for the 2020 and the live action johnny quest movie which is still in development 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting to to see that's this was kind of his first project or the the team's first project, mm-hmm. and then wow, writing uh, for the you know the Disney the original Disney Aladdin and the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, which has been really successful, right? And uh, some of the other ones there in Disney National Treasure, and uh, yeah, that's pretty cool that they this is where they got their start. Little Monsters was originally set to be distributed by Vestron Pictures, and a trailer was even created by Vestron that was advertised on some of their VHS releases. But due to Vestron's financial difficulties at the time, the film was sold to United Artists, although Vestron did retain some foreign rights to the film. That's interesting. You think about the advertising you get even now on DVDs. It's not so much, but you still got one or two, maybe three at most ads mm-hmm. but then you see this vestron pictures was basically the lead and just unfortunately couldn't pay the bill it looks right. like they <laughs> end up selling selling it to united artists which is uh, at the time was a, a, a big company yeah but they, they were smart to at least try to say keep something even if it's the foreign rights just something i guess to yeah <laughs> cling to <laughs> i can't remember uh exactly when they went under actually united artists i think was bought out at, at one point too they were because they were uh that was the james bond distribution company for the longest time was united artists and i think that was part of why the film just didn't get distributed the way they wanted to was the the failure and then united artists kind of coming in and at the last minute to pick up the pieces Right. So, well, let's go into a little bit of the broadcast and home video history. It was a VHS video in 1989, runtime 88 minutes. DVD in 2003 by Otterson Entertainment. Uh, MGM also released it in 2004. And then it was combined with a couple other movies. This uh, movie, Igor, by MGM in 2010, released with that. And there was another combo pack. With Igor, Labu, Little Monsters, and Mac and Me. That was in 2011. Uh, and then it was also released on a uh, Mill Creek DVD, The Decade You Were Born, the 80s, in 2012. And we actually, when I watched it, actually found it on Netflix. So, And I haven't checked to see since <laughs> we're now in nearing uh, December to see if it's still available there on Netflix. I think it is. So that's kind of the the broadcast history of it. It had the small release and then right to video uh, that same year in 89. And then we'll get on to a little bit of the music behind it here. And uh, a couple songs kind of stuck out to me that I wrote down here, Wyatt. Right. The two original songs were written for the movie by Billy Hughes, I Want to Yell and Magic of the Night. Uh, other songs include Talking Heads, Road to Nowhere, over the end credits. Uh, it was never released because of the pending bankruptcy of Vestron Pictures. Yep. Never got a soundtrack release officially. So, yeah, they had enough to hire this Billy Hughes guy to write two songs for it and to license that Talking Heads song over the end credits. So that was usually good enough to get a soundtrack release and maybe add in some of the score. Which I didn't write down who uh, who composed the score in this one. Uh, the synopsis, just really quickly. Lonely 11-year-old Brian, who's played by Fred Savage, makes an unusual friend when he captures Maurice. 
played by Howie Mandel, the mischievous monster who lives under his bed and stumbles into an exciting new world where mythical creatures really exist. When Brian learns that he, too, will become a monster unless he helps to turn back Maurice, however, he struggles with the prospect of losing the only real friend he's ever known. Let's go through the cast now. We'll kind of go back and forth with this, Wyatt, and just talk about all the actors seen in the film. And we can start with uh, Fred Savage, who played uh, Brian Stevens, the basically the star of the film. And he was the child actor in the 80s. We all know him from The Wonder Years. Uh, he was also in The Princess Bride when the, they get back to the point where they're reading the story mm-hmm. and then, you know, living out the story. And then uh, we'll shout out my friend uh, Chad Young from the horror movie Barbecue, whose favorite movie, one of his favorite movies, is The Wizard, which was... I don't I don't know what year that was. If it was 89, it was right around that time, maybe 1990. Have you ever seen that one where he uh they go on this road trip and they go to this like huge Nintendo tournament to compete in and they're playing Super Mario Brothers 3. It was like brand new. <laughs> I've never heard seen of that, it, one? but I've I've never never watched it. It's it's been a long time since I watched it, but I have seen it. But yeah, he uh he was a pretty big star back in the eighties, yeah. mainly for the wonder years, I would say, but mm-hmm. very recognizable face. And I think he did advertising as well. A lot of commercials and stuff. That brings us to Maurice monster who was played by Howie Mandel started as a stand-up comedian, which is the only place I remember him being along with, uh, being the voice actor for Bobby's world in the nineties. Mm-hmm. He was Gizmo in the Gremlins, which I was not aware of, and he was played in the TV show Saint Elsewhere. I'm sure my folks watched that. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> right. And now he is host of Deal or No Deal. Oh, that's right. He's now on America's Got Talent. I've seen him as I flip yeah. through very rarely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's more uh, hosting duties now, and I haven't watched America's Got Talent really at all. Uh, did get into Deal or No Deal. For when it was fresh and new, yeah. But I haven't watched that in a while. But yeah, he. I didn't realize he had a a pretty good voice acting career as well. I, I knew about Bobby's World, and I knew that was kind of his thing. But yeah, Gizmo and Gremlins. I had heard that before, but that was not one that I just could have spouted off. You know that right. that was one of his credits. And Saint Elsewhere is where he got his. Uh, start, but yeah, we all knew him. At least I remember him being a stand-up comedian in the '80s and being on those like HBO and Showtime specials, mm-hmm. more or less. Uh, but let's go on uh, to Eric Stevenson, Brian's younger brother, who was played by Fred Savage's brother, Ben Savage, and this was his first role. He would probably mainly know him as Corey in the '90s teen sitcom Boy Meets World. But yeah, this was his first acting role in his uh, career. So, and I thought he did a pretty good job. And, and uh, all the savages did a good job in the in the picture. Yeah, that moves us on to Glenn Stevenson, who plays Brian's dad, played by Daniel Stern. Most of us will probably remember him from Home Alone one and two as one of the the Wet Bandits. The Wet Bandits. That's it. <laughs> um, yeah, Marv. Marv. Marv yeah. Cleaned up pretty good on this movie. Almost didn't recognize him. <laughs> he also played on City Slickers one and two. I've seen City Slickers. I don't. I can't place him on the first one. 
Yeah, he was uh, just one of the crew there that go out there to the you know the the west and move the cattle. One of uh, yeah. Billy Crystal's friends. I actually just watched it. It was uh, recently on the Roku channel, oh. and I hadn't watched it in years. <laughs> That's interesting. He was also on Blue Thunder, which it, I mean, it's been years for both of those movies for me. Mm-hmm. But uh, he was the narrator voice of Fred Savage in the Wonder Years, which was interesting. To yeah. Hear. They actually have there. a very good working relationship, at least. <laughs> right, right. That was interesting. And then we get to Holly Stevenson, who plays uh, Brian's mother. She was uh, played by Margaret Witten. You would best know her as the uh, owner of the Cleveland Indians in the Major League movies. She was also in one of my favorite Michael J. Fox movies, Secret of My Success, uh, Baby Boom, and she also had various guest roles on television. And uh, she sadly passed away in 2016 at 67 of cancer. Then uh, we have just a boy who is the ruler of the monster world, played by Frank Wally. He had a lot of guest roles in movies and TV, but we might remember him from the young Archie Graham in Field of Dreams. He played in The Freshman, The Doors, JFK, Pulp Fiction, Broken Arrow, and just a few slew other ones. Yep. Uh, I still can't place him. I'm sorry, but I'm sure he's there. (laughs) Yeah, he's just more of a quick character actor in a lot of these movies and is still acting today. Call him in and... uh, just for basically short parts, it seems like, mm-hmm. in all of these movies. But Field of Dreams is one of my favorite sports movies, probably my favorite baseball movie. And, yeah, that's, it's hard to recognize him with all the makeup and stuff in the movie as boy. But yeah, um, I did know him from Field of Dreams. And then we'll go to Snick, who is Boy's right-hand man. And he's also, uh, well, played by Rick Ducommon. He was also the TV commercial host at the very beginning there. But uh, his earliest TV appearance was on Star Search as one of the comedians. And he took second place behind Brad Garrett. Brad Garrett is the uh, brother on Everybody Loves Raymond. Mm. He did a lot of voice work. Uh, So I thought that was interesting. I had not known that about him, that he was on uh, Star Search. But he's been a slew of movies, again, mostly in the supporting actor role. Uh, you would know him as uh, Art on The Burbs. He was in Die Hard, Spaceballs, Hunt for Red October, Groundhog Day, Gremlins 2, and the list goes on. And he sadly passed away in 2015 at 62 from complications with diabetes. Very funny guy. I, I'm kind of liking him a little bit. He's kind of the poor man's John Candy, I'll say. Mm-hmm. But I love him in the Burbs as uh, you know Tom Hanks's neighbor there. Very funny comedian. That brings us to Ronnie Coleman, who was played by Devin Rattray. Rattray. Mm-hmm. Uh, he w- played Buzz from Home Alone One and Two. We all know who he is. He was uh-huh. the brat that was driving Macaulay Culkin crazy. Yeah. Then uh, played in the Nebraska films. Played Dennis the Menace. Guest TV roles in Agent Carter, The Tick, and Hawaii Five O. The new or the old? The new. Okay, just double check. Yeah. Uh, I haven't watched either, so I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched. We watched a couple seasons of Hawaii Five O, but I haven't not watched that. 
Uh, I had not remember him being in Dennis the Menace, too. It's been a while since I watched that movie. Yeah. From the early 90s. But, yeah, there's another connection there to uh, Daniel Stern being <laughs> being in Home Alone. Mm-hmm. And then we have Kirsten, the girl at Brian's school, uh, played by Amber Barreto. Uh, she was in the 90s teen sitcom Hang Time. But that's pretty much all that I saw. It didn't look like she got into acting much uh, beyond this. And then we've got one more. One more Savage. Yes. Kayla Savage. She was Fred and Ben's sister. She played a monster, which was her first role. And that's pretty much it for the main cast that played. And we're mm-hmm. going to look at uh, kind of the reviewing some of our favorite, least favorite scenes, characters, and the like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I guess I'll start um, talking about our favorite scenes from the movie. Um, I just kind of like the beginning story about uh, Brian just moving in and he's the big brother getting blamed for everything that Maurice was doing at night. There are some really fun scenes at the beginning of the movie before he meets Maurice and everybody's kind of coming down on him. Uh, like I said, the the bike in the driveway it gets backed over, you know, and the, making a mess with the food and stuff at night. I just thought that was fun. It was more the the funnier, I guess, comedy. Or they did a good job, kind of setting up the overall story at the beginning. What about you? What's some of your favorite? What's a favorite scene for you? Well, I actually had a tough time with this. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of like the uh, call it the MacGyver in me, where he makes this this kind of a MacGyver gadget <laughs> with bicycle parts to de- basically detect. Or to slam his bed, <laughs> right? Pull the legs out from under it and slam it down on the on the on the floor. Um, that I actually liked because it was very crafty. And then he uses like Doritos to bait the the guy, and and doesn't mm-hmm. work quite right. But you know, it, it, I love the invention of it. Um, yeah, that's probably one of the only favorite scenes in the whole movie. <laughs> I probably really liked. Um, if there's a yeah. mask cast, I think you already know where my rating is. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the reason for that was he's trying to trap Maurice in the real world. Mm-hmm. So luring him out from underneath his bed and then dropping the bed on the door, essentially. Right. So he could uh, essentially confront him and all that. Uh, that was a little bit, uh, <laughs> I guess, over the top with what he was able to do with the bed. But still fun nonetheless. And then just another part of it for me, I just like the monster world. It was fun. It was just like a utopia for kids, you know, all the food that they could want. And it's all like sweets and (laughs) goodies, you know, they play just crazy games and all the mischief you could ever want was down in this world. That Uh, I could probably see as a second favorite because exactly as a kid, you know, you don't, you would love to be able to play video games for forever and ever and, Almost do whatever you want, eat whatever you want, and so forth. So I guess in that mindset, I can see that, yeah. Yeah, and then that scene where they're playing baseball, and uh, I think think Howie refers to it as breaking Uh, (laughs) S-word. Yeah. It was just baseball, and like the outfield is pretty much everything, knickknacks, glass, vases, whatever, and you're trying to, you know, break them. It just it was just crazy down there. You and you think 
if kids are, uh, if there was ever the kind of this underground secret world that you could do anything you wanted to do, they pretty much got everything right that's yeah. down in there. You know, all the crazy food you could want, and then just being mischievous, you know, as, to your heart's content. <laughs> all right. What was, uh, I guess then we'll go on the other side of the coin here. And what didn't you like about the movies, the scenes in particular? Well, there's one that you've jotted on your notes, and that was where he's drinking the jar of piss. I mean, geez, that was just a nasty. I'm sure it was bubbly apple juice or whatever to make it semi-palatable, but I think I would have been, even on the cut like 10, I'd be probably still hurling or, or whatever if I were Fred Savage. Yeah. But that was just nasty. Well, yeah, that was, I had forgotten about that part totally. And, you know, but... Buzz was being Buzz in this yeah. <laughs> movie. He's the bully and just, you know, trying to get a little payback at him. And then, yeah, you know, Maurice whips it out and, hey, let's trade uh, trade out his apple juice for some uh, urine. And then the next day at school, it was, yeah, that was pretty yeah. nasty. <laughs> no, thanks. Blech. Yeah. And it, uh, one thing that I didn't like about it, it was just a little creepy that, you know, everybody's worried about voyeurism and all this now. We even talked about it on a separate show about, uh, you know, cameras being set up and making sure that you, you're not on the network. It's a closed circuit. You know, yep. kids are safe. And But just, you know, the, the whole premise of the story is they've got all these doors underneath everybody's bed that they can just walk in while people are sleeping, you know, and... It was just a little weird, uh, kind of creepy almost that you're <laughs> sneaking, they're sneaking into that girl, the the girl that he uh, liked at school. Yeah, really. Uh, and it's funny, they, you know, they move the bed when they, the bed like comes up, you know, when they come out of the door. Like a hinge, yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, you wouldn't wake up from that, but um, yeah, it was just weird to me. Kind of creeped me out. <laughs> being in somebody's somebody's bedroom when they're sleeping, not knowing you're there, you know. Anyway, what else for you? Anything else that you Well, I would second like that, but the other thing that was kind of odd is uh, the the midnight snack choice, which was peanut butter and onion. (laughs) I'm already kind of slowly doing the um, Jim Jim Carrey gag with peanut butter and banana, but peanut butter and onion, I mean, I'm just doing that whole... (laughs) <laughs> yeah gag scene right there yeah another thing that uh i really wasn't fond of and it i'm just going back to the time and what the capabilities and technology that they had back then but some of the scenes where maurice is melting because of the daylight yep. you know they just looked a little <laughs> off when he's like melting or whatever he's doing in his clothes and his clothes are just there, you know, when the sunlight hits and you got to hurry up and put him back in the, you know, under the bed or in the darkness, but just the, the transformation there and the, the mannerisms and stuff and how they did that. Just, I don't know. was kind of weird to me. Didn't, didn't really fit. And it could have been due to budgetary (laughs) reasons that they weren't able to do more with those effects around, you know, Maurice getting uh, shrunk by the daylight, but it was just a little cheesy. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about as far as the 
likes or dislikes from the like scenes or parts of the movie? Not really scenes. I think that puts us on to what we think about the characters. I would say probably my favorite was just Maurice. And it's it was weird thinking that that's Howie Mandel under the makeup. Yeah. You know, it, it was it was kind of hard to picture it at first. And then there are little things and just the way he talks and he didn't really put too much of a anything on his voice. But he was fun. Uh, a little over the top at times, but still, you know, probably the most entertaining character of the whole movie. How about you? I could see that. I could see him being over the top or, or most entertaining, but he was annoying to me. Yeah. So if I'm picking a favorite character, I think I actually liked Fred's character. He he was, I wouldn't be scared of what's underneath my bed, but I wanted to be that kid that could get away with anything. Right. You could, you could have a kind of a something of a reasonable head on your shoulders mm-hmm. saying, no, we can't do this. We can't do that. But he gets sucked into going under the bed. He gets sucked into right. being the, the, the scapegoat for whatever's happening because Maurice is causing all the problems. You know, um, I guess I can see that as being Brian was probably the better character mm-hmm. of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I didn't none of the other characters really stuck out to me. Uh, no. Even the other monsters, they were some, there were some interesting makeup and uh, costume choices and everything that they made in the monster world. And uh, some of the set designs were really cool with mm-hmm. the staircases and how they uh, showed going up to each bed and everything. Uh, that was pretty cool, but none of the other characters really stood out to me. Uh, my least favorite really character part, whatever you want to call it, were just Brian's parents. And that was kind of strange to me. Uh, this being more of a, I, at least I was coming into it more of a comedy, more of a fun movie. And there were some really hard nosed yeah. adult type themes yes. in the movie, mainly between the parents and the parents fighting and uh, getting a divorce and, and going through all that. So I don't know. And I kind of went through some of those bad memories <laughs> When I was a kid, um, which is probably why I didn't like them. And it was nothing to say that uh, it was really over the top as far as the the parents acting or anything. I thought uh, Stern and the wife, they did uh, a pretty good job. But it was strange to kind of interject that into uh, a movie about the secret world and having fun. And all of a sudden, you got to go through these hard times. uh, And just you could almost feel for... Fred Savage's character, Brian, at, at certain points in the movie, trying to process everything. Because uh, you had this like utopia, and then you come back to the real world, and mm-hmm. your parents are getting a divorce. I mean, it was uh, some pretty hard-nosed stuff. But um, that was just kind of, I don't know, it just brought up kind of some bad memories for me. So, didn't really care for that. What about you? What What is kind of turned you off I guess, it sounds like I guess from the movie quite a bit but if we're the least favorite I would actually sigh with you on this because you and I both went through the same similar avenues of, of our parents or parents divorcing and the, the fighting on what happens in the whole it's not you it's us and, and the whole thing and I guess what I didn't like about it is 
late eighties, early nineties seemed to throw it at us in the movies. It, mm-hmm. Probably Hollywood trying to say this is the real world now, so we're just trying to embrace it and attack it the best way we know how. But to me, that that whole thing, and I I get when we get to the end of the movie, I understand that wasn't you know they try to get back together because of the whole looking for I'm sorry looking for the brother looking for mm-hmm. Brian right. and, and the whole nine it ends up making them think what's more important but I don't know it felt like it was thrown into us that yeah. whole scene and like like you said you and I both went through this separately with our own parents so it rekindled a lot of things to yeah. see your sibling probably taking it harder than you are and I well I dealt with that I know you didn't but I did and it was just yeah yeah it, yeah. was, a, it was a pretty big dynamic in the movie and it, it kind of took away some I think of again just having fun with it so you've got to almost get grounded into this whole reality while you're at the same time living in this. Right. Crazy and, utopia. <laughs> right. And, you know, here we're looking at a, a fictional movie. I'm mm-hmm. sorry to break it down, but you're looking at a fictional movie that has that true world, that utopia mm-hmm. that he could go to, stay there, and not have to deal with this. Or he has to come back to reality where, you know, obviously real life, the best utopia we can figure out is what's, what, we, what we do or do not create in our minds. And, mm-hmm. We are living in the real world. We just can kind of fade out for a few minutes, if not at least, you know, overnight. And, well, we're back in this dilemma again, you know. Right. So I, I get what they're trying to do in the movie, but, yeah, it, it was probably one of my, like you, it was probably one of my least favorite characters in that, in that, in this snapshot in time with those parents going through that divorce. Yeah. So uh, just kind of coming back around and, and looking at the movie overall, I think the thing that stuck with me the most, at least from the the first watching that I remember, was the kind of plot with, for the movie and the story. I remember, you know, many times I had this bed that had drawers in the front that you could open, but it only went about halfway back underneath the bed. So back behind my bed, I could actually you know, hide stuff back there, whatever I wanted to do. I could even crawl back there when I was a smaller kid. So I had this whole dynamic where I still had that like open area under my bed under there. And I remember thinking when I'm down there, you know, where's the door? Where's the, (laughs) where's the door to this uh, monster world? So that stuck with me, has stuck with me over the years. And that's probably the more, the most memorable thing even after watching it now, all these years later, uh, about the movie, it's just the concept, the overall story that was created and written. Uh, it was pretty, pretty fun concept, but they interjected some stuff that I really didn't care for either. In that, wow, the language. Um, and I know it was a different time, and PG movies back in the eighties allowed a lot more language. Mm-hmm. Um, even now, if you go back and watch, for instance, the Goonies or trying to think of some other ones that I've gone back and watched and had kind of an eye-opening experience, especially for the the ages my kids are now. So having said that, I would not be comfortable showing this no. movie to my kids. 
just with the level of language in it. And, you know, I think about this movie and I think about when we go through these reviews and uh, some memorable lines or quotes or, you know, parts of the movie. And most of the stuff, the the stuff that I laughed at and stuff revolved around some, like I was saying, like the, the breaking stuff uh, game that they played. Right. It re- revolves around strong language and people drinking piss. And I probably thought that was hilarious as a kid, but now I'm like, no, no, yeah. <laughs> It's just not a not something I cover. What what do you think now overall watching it? And is there anything that you would take away from it, or are you just pretty much ready to move on to the next thing we're going to talk about? <laughs> there wasn't honestly, there wasn't too much I liked about the movie. How how he was way I'm I'm in the dislike, but I'm not meaning to be. I'm kind of like chipping it out. Mm-hmm. I think the only thing that I really liked at it was probably the MacGyver like invention with the bike you know, bike parts. There was a funny part in my notes that I, I don't understand my chicken scratch here, but somewhere in the parent scene where the, where they're, they're angry after all the gags, you know, they're uh, all the tricks and everything that's going on. They're angry. And somehow I found humor in that and I marked it down as such, but I don't remember why I wrote it down that way. Um, <laughs> but there wasn't much, the story I get, but I just, it was one of those movies. I, I don't know that, like you said, the, the PG rating, and the, you know, that was not PG. That was PG-13. I would rate it as PG-13. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'll, I'll just go ahead and transition because there was just, I could sit here all day like you with the Panda Power on, on mask. <laughs> I could sit here all day long and make it a one because it was just the ultra zoom started started me off i don't know if you noticed it but it was just too zoomed in maybe maybe it was my version of netflix uh-huh. but it just looked like i was in your face the whole time <laughs> with howie and with fred and the whole thing i'm like dude are you are you hiding the set because <laughs> it sucks i mean what's going on they have to zoom in everybody howie was just like i said i like murdoch and he's off the cuff Holy cow, how he really came apart. And I just didn't like the character. Yeah. Um, just the whole divorce thing we talked about. Yeah. It, and then, then the, the, the whole going from one side of the States to the other, all on this underground dream world that looked like nothing more than a couple pallets nailed together. <laughs> and that made it all the pathway. I'm like, really? You couldn't have come up with something better than pallets. You know, I mean, I get it, yeah. cheap, especially if you lost seven point two million at it. But still, uh, you know that there's better dressings for sets and stuff, especially if you're making a movie. But <laughs> anyway, that. What about you? What did you dislike? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a little ridiculous as far as they traveled and thinking about that. Um, could have been possible, I guess so, but. Uh, your mind goes to places like that on really they went all the way over there and then you know they pick up the phone and can pick us up you know we're here in california oh really you know <laughs> how'd you get out there we'll we'll explain it to you later and, and then the movie yeah yeah then you know. they walk off on the beach there you know yeah as an overall you know at the end of these reviews we go to an overall take whether we should 
recommend to everyone to rediscover it or just leave it in the past and not to worry about it. And I'm definitely leaning towards the leave it in the past mode. I know by the year <laughs> what you're saying, you are too. In that uh, there's yeah. probably a, a ton of more movies out there that are uh, more palatable for comedies, for kids' movies. And thinking about it now, it was more or less banking on or trying to bank on Fred Savage as the star and I guess potentially Howie Mandel and his comedy. But Fred Savage is probably the was the draw to making this movie. And um, he, I thought that, like I said, I thought he did a, a fine job with it, but the story just wasn't there to no. to follow through and to make it one to uh, to go back and and rewatch over and over again or or any of that. So yeah, we it was kind of a downer, kind of a bummer. <laughs> I thought uh, I thought it was going to be a little bit better than it turned out to be after watching it and. I was disappointed a little bit. There was some, you know, there was some fun stuff in there, but I guess more or less it's, uh, yeah, you can skip this one if you uh, see it on on Netflix and and, uh, go on to something else maybe you hadn't watched before. But uh, that's going to wrap unless you uh, had anything else you wanted to add on the movie. Uh, Nothing on the movie. We're going to be talking about, in our next episode, TV shows. And again, yep. it'll be a mystery because we don't even know what we're going to be talking about. Because <laughs> we got to find out if it exists. So, yeah. Stay well, tuned. We, we know it exists. It's just a, <laughs> a matter of finding, you know, where it exists. And we've got some, we've had some suggestions along the way. I know I have uh, a few items here and there on shows to rediscover. And... Just going through the the list here real quick onto some TV shows that I had written down that we could cover. And again, this is all based on what's available on streaming now and what might be available on uh, DVD or Blu-ray. Um, right. We got some. Uh, some of the listing is Manimal, which was mm-hmm. in 1983. That was uh, a show where the guy was able to turn into different animals and he was kind of a, I think private detective or something. I've never watched the show. Uh, I've I've heard people, it's a, it's kind of more of a a cult show. Auto man. I think it was by the same company. I think both of those might be uh, Glenn Larson shows. Now that I think about it, but auto man was another one, very short lived. And I don't know if he turned into the car I guess he did, but it's this like weird looking car, almost looks like a Countach, but it's neon. Have you ever uh, watched that show? No? Never watched it. I've I've heard it and seen it in passing in eighties mm-hmm. posts here and there, but not uh, not very extensive of what. One, I, I'm just going to throw this out there because uh, I just heard somebody tell me uh, not too long ago that Hey Vern, it's Ernest is on Tubi. All right. That could be one that we could do next. If it's in Tubi, I'm there. I like my Tubi. Yeah, a lot of a lot of these like older, obscure, retro shows seem to pop up there first. Amazon has some older stuff too, but they do. Uh, that just came to mind, so maybe that's a good one to uh, pull off for next time. But 
again, I guess we'll make it a mystery and see what uh, we got time to do and how many episodes. And that's it. We're hopefully uh, it won't be as long of a <laughs> yeah episodes. We, we get busy as parents as uh, our main uh, income providers for our <laughs> household. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm I'm kind of looking forward to that it coming off of this movie review. So thank you everybody for tuning in to rediscovered and uh, we'll steer you away from little monsters, but if you want to check it out, check it out and uh, maybe we'll uh, you'll agree with us. Once you come through the other side, (laughs) just let us know. We got uh, plenty of places to let us know on the website, uh, on social media. And uh, we'd love to hear your take on little monsters. If it's one that you've, watched many times over the years would love to hear from you guys too and and what keeps you coming back to it because obviously we didn't see much in there to uh (laughs) to circle back to so leave us some uh, feedback if you would please and that really wraps it up but once again we want to thank you for visiting us with rediscover the 80s and rediscovered we will you to rediscover all those awesome classics with us and please like jason said visit us and write to us on Rediscover the 80s or any of our social media outlets. Until next time, I'm Wyatt, and that's Jason over there, and thank you for watching and listening. Thanks for listening to Rediscovered, right here on the Rediscover the 80s podcast feed. Find our show notes at rediscoverthe80s.com and watch our recording sessions on the Rediscover the 80s YouTube channel. Theme music provided by Bart Graft. Visit bartgraft.bandcamp.com for more retro wave music. Join us again next time as we review more TV, movies, and animation from the 80s right here on Rediscovered. <laughs> <laughs>